in a series about all about Jesus. We're looking at a letter written by John called the first John, kind of the first letter that John wrote there in the church while he was in Ephesus. But before we get to the scripture, I've got to acknowledge last Sunday, there was something big that happened. We won something. Do you remember what that was? That was a whole week ago. The Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. Hey, uh, you know, I don't know if it was much of a game. There was another team involved. I don't even remember the name of that other team because it just was such a slaughter. No, I'm just joking, Bronco fans. It's, it's all right. It's just a game, right? One in which we won. You know? yeah. I like it. Pretty impressed with number three, Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Seahawks. Pretty amazing guy. You know, he's like 25 years old. He's, uh, I think, 5'11", 195 pounds. People told him he would never play football. You know, well, at least. He played, He played, but he, they thought he would never make it in pro ball. And, uh, and so I think he's doing pretty good. You know, guy loves Jesus. He's a pretty humble guy. Russell talks a lot about his deceased father. Um, his, his dad was an inspiration in his life. His dad actually played a little bit of ball, played both baseball and football in his day. And uh, he, he uh, also went for a law degree. His dad passed away uh, in 2010, about 12 months before Russell had to make this crucial decision whether he would play baseball or football. He was one of those multi-talented guys, happened to be good at both, and he wasn't sure which way to go. Well, Russell said the influence that my dad, Ben, had on my life was tremendous. He helped to affect my life in drastic and positive ways. Uh, His dad, as I said, played football and played baseball. Russell was talented in both, and the, the world around him is telling him, don't do it. You're really good at baseball. Just go do that. You know, you're not that big of a guy, and so you better just do baseball. And as he was praying because he's a Christian. He's asking Jesus what to do. And he heard this, go against the odds. Doesn't matter what anybody else is saying, go for it. And Russell's like, yes, I've always thought I could win some Super Bowls, be a part of that. And, uh, and, and so he chose football. And now, of course, he's one of the youngest, newest pastors who's, who's ever won a Super Bowl out there. But the guy also serves off the field. He does some stuff in the community. One of the reasons, again, is he goes back to his dad. His dad kind of instilled that in him and uh, would always tell him. He'd say, Russ, there's a king in every crowd. And uh, Russell's like, well, what what does that mean? His father explained that with faith in God, with help from others, anyone in a crowd can rise to greatness, that God has a calling and a destiny on every person's life. I just love that. When I, think about, when I think about his dad, his dad's no longer with him, but he still continues to be this inspiration in his life. The power of a father, the power of a father that believes in you. His dad loved him, invested in him. His dad gave him kind of an other's orientation. His dad pointed him to God, the perfect heavenly father. When a father makes the kind of deposit into their kids, uh, like we see in in uh, Benjamin Wilson, uh, they can make a lasting difference. It, it can really uh, do something amazing. And today, what I want to do is I want to talk about God being our perfect Heavenly Father. And so if you have your Bible, would you open it to First John chapter 3? We're going to start in uh, verse 1. 
And here's how it goes. See how very much our Father loves us. For we are called His children, and that is what we are. There's just something about seeing God's love that establishes you as a Christian, as a new creation, as a member of God's family that changes the way you now think about yourself and the way you look at others and the way you live your life. It's such a powerful, powerful thing that God calls us into relationship with Father God. The NIV says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. He's just poured it out abundantly. When John uses the term children, that we become children, he's not just talking about this universal sense that, hey, we're all God's children. He's saying that it's actually kind of a word that means born again one, little born again ones. And John is the one in his own gospel that he kind of coined that term being born from above or born again, born of the Spirit. And there's something that happens in your life when you surrender your will to God, place your faith in Jesus Christ, and you receive forgiveness for your sin, and the Holy Spirit comes into your life and makes you into a new creation. There's literally an impartation of the Spirit of God in you that changes the spiritual DNA of your life, that you become born into God's family through faith in the Son of God. It's an amazing amazing life change that happens. And that's good news because most of us did not have an amazing, inspiring father. Most people have not had that experience on this earth. And yet there is a perfect heavenly father that every single one of us can know and be loved by, love him back and experience an intimacy and relationship that we've never had. Many people today don't even know the love of their father. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24 million children in America, that's one out of every three kids, live in a biological father absent home. There is a father crisis going on in our country today. I mean, and so even the ones that are still there, how many of them are emotionally connected to their kids, where their kids feel that there's intimacy between them and their father? And if you're one of those that you do feel you had a great dad, you're very connected, very intimate with your father, and, and there's just this, this unconditional love there, thank God for that because you are in the vast minority of people. Sure, it should be that way for everybody, but it's not. A lot of people were raised without a dad. A lot of people's uh, parent wasn't there, especially dads. And some of you have had the trauma of abusive relationships or where your dad abandoned you in some way, or just wasn't there. And today, our youth are experiencing, and we're seeing that in our culture as we look around and see people just kind of experimenting and doing whatever and being, being deceived by, by the values of this world to a large degree because there wasn't the grounding of a spiritual, healthy father in their life or a father figure. Because you don't have to be a biological dad, right? You can be a stepdad or a foster dad or an adopted dad or a big brother dad because fathers have major influence for good or for bad in, their, in the life of their kids. And so, so many of us are still trying to earn the love and the acceptance 
of a dad. And when you think about it, uh, and, and, and you think how much you want that, because see, that's a God-given kind of desire in our heart that we want to be connected to our Father. And so we try and we try and we, it doesn't happen and you get disappointed and you feel uh, distant and you, you feel like you just can't quite earn that respect or that love or that relationship that you really want. See, God wants you and I to see how much he loves us. There's something, a light bulb on the inside of our lives and in our heart that we just need to see it. Because if you see it, it'll change your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll change the way you treat others. It'll change the way you live your life. God says, I love you. He says, I'm proud of you, whether you accomplish anything or not. My love is unconditional. God says, I invite you to know me and experience that emotional and spiritual intimacy that your soul longs for. God is the hero for many of us guys that wanted a hero. He's the perfect father who keeps his promises. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's a father to the fatherless. He'll never berate you. God the Father forgives you when you make mistakes, and he's always there to listen and love you and encourage you and correct you. God never demanded you or I to perform in order to receive his love. Matter of fact, he says, I'll never love you any more than I love you today, and I'll never love you any less. In other words, you can't read your Bible enough, go to church, clean up your act enough in order to earn his love. He says, just quit that whole program and just receive my love and know the heart of your heavenly father. You don't have to try and impress him with your accomplishments or your education or your good looks or how awesome you're raising your kids or how much you're making in your new job. God the Father is not impressed by that stuff. He just wants you to know his love and know his heart. God the Father will will continue to love you no matter if you love him back or not. He just loves you. And it's hard to compute that. It's hard to understand that. And I pray that it would hit our hearts today that we have a heavenly Father who is perfect and will love you perfectly in a way that your soul longs for, but maybe you haven't experienced You can be complete in him. He'll mend the brokenness, the father wounds that maybe an earthly dad left there. The heavenly father wants to heal them. He'll be close or closer to you than the the best of friends. And his love is deep and profound. He wants you to know him, not just as almighty God, not just as, 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 as this amazing God, the sovereign God, But he wants you to know him as Father God and Papa or Daddy. See, the scripture tells us about a word that's used called Abba in the the scripture, which is this term of endearment that we can come to know God in his very heart as this perfect Papa. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 in the message uh, translation says this, This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children, and we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable 
inheritance. I love how that's worded and the expectancy that's there. Both my grandkids call me Papa, and I love it when I'll come into the room and they'll see me if we haven't seen each other for a week or so, and they'll come into the room and they'll go, Papa! And I know what that means. It means, let's go play. Let, show me something new. It's this expectancy, and I love it. Do you have that kind of relationship with God where you know him as your papa, as that heavenly father who's perfect, that you approach him in expectancy of an adventure that you're on with him where he's leading the way and he's showing you some new stuff that you don't know yet? God wants us to know his heart like that. And the good news is we can know his heart like that. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to open up this whole new relationship with our Father that we never have had before. God invites you and me to experience him as Abba, Father, Papa, where God touches your spirit and confirms who you really are. See, when the Father touches your spirit and confirms his love on you and you receive it and you know it. You know what it does? It changes the way you think. You no longer have to be out in the world trying to earn respect by everybody. You no longer have to try and impress people with achievements or impress people through all the variety of things we, we do because we just, we're solid in who we are. That he, we're been made by our heavenly father and reborn by him and now we carry his very dna in us first john chapter 3 verse 1 also says though the people who belong to this world talked about that a little bit last week this world meaning the values of this world system that selfish me-centered world they don't recognize god's children because they don't know him and that's kind of a bitter pill to swallow sometimes that those who live according to the rules and values of this world where it's kind of all about me, who don't know God, they don't, they don't recognize that father-son or father-daughter relationship. You become this new creation in Christ and you're born again into God's family and now you carry this new DNA in you. And, and so now your affections and your desires, your goals, your dreams, they all begin to change from the inside out. And it starts to look different as people interact with you. They go, you're not the same anymore. You're not as fun. You know, that's normally one. In other words, you used to bring the weed and now you don't. You used to be the partier. You used to have the, all the dirty jokes that would make me laugh. And now, now you're not any good at that anymore. And it's not like you're trying to tick anybody off or try and come across like you're better than anybody. It's just you're changing and God is changing you. And so you no longer do the same things you used to do. Still love people, want to be there, want their friendship, but you're changing. And sometimes people can't relate to that. And it's frustrating, right? Because you want people to know your heavenly father and you want them to experience that too. And it's difficult to describe the change that's taken place because they go, oh, you're going to church now. Okay, so you're a church person. Oh, you're religious. Oh, you're, th you know, people want to label it what it is, right? So they can understand it because they can't understand that you've actually 
had something happen on the inside of your life that changes the whole way you think and act and feel and your desires and your passions and your dreams and your goals and the way you look at your failures of your past. God is an amazing Father that calls us into a relationship with Him that's perfect. Verse 2 and 3 says, Dear friends, we are already God's children but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. See, Jesus is coming back one day again. People waited thousands of years for his first appearance, and and then he came. He showed up, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And we've been waiting thousands of years for Jesus Christ to come back to this earth and appear again and redeem all of those who belong to the Father. And we're waiting. And that, the, you know, it's coming soon. I don't know when, but it's coming soon. And he's going to return. And it's this confident, eager expectation of his return that we, we know who we are as God's kids no, we're not perfect. No, we, yes, we make mistakes. And, and yet at the same time, we want to be holy because God is holy. The word holy simply means different. Some of us are really different. And that's okay. But holy, different, set apart for God's use and His purposes. God is holy. God is pure and He calls us into a pure relationship with Him. Pure simply means congruent, through and through the same. We don't have one persona we put on the outside and another one we have on the inside. And spiritual language on one comes out of one side of our mouth and something else comes out of the other side of our mouth. No, pure just means there's a congruency and a wholeness in who we are as people unconditionally loved by our Papa in heaven. And that love motivates us to want to be pure. Not out of legalism, not to try and earn points with God. Not because we're afraid that we're going to fall off the cliff on either side because it's such a narrow way that, that, that God can't uphold us when we sin and make mistakes. But it's this motivation that I don't want to do anything to disgrace my dad. I don't want to do anything that grieves his heart. Because he's perfect and he loves me and he's established me in his love and he sent his one and only son to die on the cross, a brutal death in order to pay the penalty of my sin. What else could I do but love him back with my life? First John 3, 7 says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. Your actions, in other words, prove who you belong to more than your words do. God is saying, don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself, whether God is your father or not. He says, whatever you do, don't pretend and and, and say, God's my papa if he isn't. Just don't even go there. It's pretty common today in the world for someone, if they're rich, if they're famous, if if they represent a big inheritance, for people to want to kind of scam in on that, right? And we've seen it over and over. Anybody who passes away or uh, if they had a lot of money like Michael Jackson died, there's this huge custody battle over the children. Who gets the kids? Was Michael their actual dad? 
or, or uh, the guy by the name of Howard Hughes, you remember, billionaire back in the day, people coming out of the woodwork trying to scam in on his money. Whenever there's a big inheritance involved, people will always claim that they know someone, that they're related to them, even though they are not. A lot of people do that. Maybe you know people who do that spiritually. They claim that God is their father. But their actions show something altogether different. In 1 John 3, 8, the scripture says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. See, John, that's pretty intense, right? I'm glad he said it. I'm just reciting what he said, but that's what he says. John says that when people keep on sinning and they make a practice of sin, that they don't belong to God, that they belong to the devil. There's this spiritual battle that's going on today over every one of us, and the devil is real, and, and demonic forces and powers are real. There's a darkness in this world. Look around. I mean, read the newspaper. You see it. You feel it. It saddens your heart. It breaks your heart. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to rob you of your purpose, to take away the dream and the destiny that God has for you, to get you to kind of just name it and claim it. Like, I believe in God, therefore I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure I'll go to heaven and God's my father, but I'll live the, this life any way I want. And there's this disconnect. And Jesus often was going head to head with the Pharisees of his day, the religious leaders who would say they belonged to God. God was their father. They were so proud. They were connected to Abraham. They had lineage. They knew the Bible. They, re- they could recite the Bible. They went to temple. They went to church. All on the outside of their life, everything, it just sounded right. They sounded so spiritual and holy. And yet Jesus would get up in their face and say, you are not God's child. You are a child of the devil. That's Jesus. Humble guy, you know, carrying the little sheep on his shoulders and all. He would get in their face and say, If you live this way and say God is your father, you're a liar. Your father is the devil. Maybe maybe we'll take a break from that for a moment, right? That's a little (laughs) intense. Maybe you know of someone that way. Maybe you're that person. You've gone to church your whole life. Your parents were Christians or are Christians. A couple of your friends are. You point to other people that know God. You think just by associating around those people, you're good. Maybe you even go to a Christian school, but your life just doesn't reflect it. You're operating in the shadows, addicted to porn, experimenting with drugs, stealing prescription painkillers, working so hard to be liked by others. Better check yourself. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own. He sent me. Jesus would challenge all of us today to check ourselves and say, is God truly my father? By the way I think, by the way I live my life, by my affections, by my desires, by what I dream of, not just because I was born in this country, not just because I was born into a household that has Christian parents, not just because I go to church or know some scriptures. 1 John 3.10 says it this way. So now we can tell, we can tell. You can actually tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers 
does not belong to God. I mean, John, he's just kind of going right for the jugular, isn't he? Just like you can recognize people who know God, love God, and God is their father because it'll, it'll show up in the way they live their life. It'll show up in the way they talk. It'll show up in the way they think. It'll show up in the motivations of their heart. It will show up in the way they love other people. And yet when we belong to God, we will choose to live his way. We'll, we'll, we'll begin to make those choices. It'll just come out of you because your DNA of your spiritual life has changed. Something new has happened. And it's not just willpower or human decision. Living right is rooted in who Jesus is, what he came to do. First John 3, 8 says, But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. See, that's the good news part. That Jesus Christ didn't just come here to save us from our sin and forgive us and and secure a way that we would live eternally with God the Father. He also came to destroy the works of the wicked one in our lives, to set us free, to make us whole, to work against the wicked one, the deceiver, the the, the father of all lies is, is the devil. And so his the devil's plan is to sidetrack God's destiny, and Jesus came to conquer sin and death and to set us free and to destroy the works of the devil in our life. You know, you can stand in that. You can pray about that in your life. That that's a promise you can lay hold of. When you're struggling with things that just don't seem to leave, you can stand on the promise of God's word that, Jesus, you came to destroy the works of the devil in my life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk that out. Those who have been born into God's family... Verse 8 says, do not make a practice of sinning because God's life, his life is in them. Something's been planted in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are now children of God. It's not saying that they will never sin. It's saying that they'll never get used to just wallowing in that and being comfortable in that and never being convicted by it and just make it their practice in life. He's saying, you can't do that if you're a child of God because something has changed on the inside of your life. The, the nature of the Father is in you now. You can't serve two masters anymore. The Holy Spirit's saying, you're born again. You have a new Father. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God forgives us. He picks us up every time we fall down. And John, the same writer, uh, of this letter, 1 John, that we read in 1 John 1, 9, says that if we sin, because we're going to, we're humans, there, God is faithful and just. If we'll just confess it, he'll forgive us of all of our unrighteousness and, and he'll cleanse us and bring us back into that right relationship. How great is the love of the Father? That's what I want to leave you with. How great is the love of the Father that He's lavished on us that we should be called His children. That should change the way we live. That should change the way we think. That's something eternal. That's something that God wants for every one of us today. Let's bow our our heads, can we, and just have a moment of prayer over this word. God, we thank you that you, you are a perfect heavenly father. You are the father that we long for.
that no matter how good our dad may have been, you are perfect. And for those of us who have had dads that were far less of an example than they should have been, or maybe were not there at all, Lord, you are there to bring healing and bind up brokenness and establish us in your love in a way that will change the way we think and live our lives. That we'll no longer live it trying to impress anyone or trying to earn respect or love from someone who is withholding it. But, Lord, you lavish it on your children. So would you do that for us this morning? Maybe you're here today and you're, you're rightfully questioning whether you belong to God, whether you really have had that born-again experience in your life where your affections, your thoughts, your desires, your, your motivations of your heart, that everything has changed. You're still stuck. And I want to lead you in a prayer and just ask that you pray this directly from your heart to God's. Because you can know and you can experience his love today. Jesus, thank you for saving me and loving me. And I'm placing my faith in you, not just to get me to heaven, not just to forgive my sin. I need those things. But Lord, I'm also asking that you change me from the inside out. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you come into my life and bring a new birth in me where things truly begin to change. And I, I, I love you, God, and pray that you would open up my understanding of what it means to be loved by a perfect Heavenly Father because I need that. And I'm placing the weight of my life in your hands today. And I'm surrendering to your will today. Just in this moment, as your heads are bowed, if that was your prayer and you prayed that as your own response of faith to God, would you lift your hand to him, agreeing with that prayer, saying, yes, God, I prayed that and I'm wanting that in my life today. Amen. Thanks. Good. 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 Yes, Lord. Lord, you see each and every one of those hands, and more importantly, you know their hearts. And Lord, I pray that you, God, would create something new in them today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that there would be a certainty in their own heart that they are born again into your family, that you are their father. And now their whole passion is to just please you and love you and, and be loved by you. I pray for others of us that are here that we just need, we desperately need the, the, to see the love of the Father in our lives. So we quit comparing our imperfect and, and earthly Father with a perfect and heavenly Father. That our dads were, are not like you. You're not like them, God. You are different. You're altogether different. And if that's you, where you just need that revelation, you need that experience, 
I want to pray for you and ask that you pray with me as well. Lord, I'm opening my heart to your fatherly love. I'm opening the wounds of my heart to where I've been hurt and disappointed and, and, and let down and even abused at times. Lord, I, I just ask that you come in and begin to touch and heal and restore what the wicked one has tried to take from me. And I want to know you and walk with that eager expectation every day. Papa, what's in store for today? So, Lord, would you do that in me, do that in my life, in my heart, that as I leave here, God, I I would be different and my perspective would begin to change. I invite you. I need that, God. Pour your love out upon us, God, we pray. Help us walk in this stuff. We thank you, God. We worship you today for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.